0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast, and I'm glad you're here. We've got a special podcast today with uh, Tim and Mike, and these are two gentlemen in the San Antonio, Texas area, and we're going to be talking about seller financing, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the retail side of the realtors, realtor business, the brokerage business, and uh, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. First, let me tell you, if you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, you can get our Fast Cash Survival Kit And uh, most of you have already heard about that or have already downloaded it. But if you haven't, I don't know. I mean, do you hate money? Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com to get our Fast Cash Survival Kit. And in there, you'll see all the different ways that Alex and I do deals, how we use our virtual assistants, how we do our marketing, um, how we do our postcards, the list that we send to, and all that good stuff. It's all free, and you'll get it there. I think you're really going to like it. Alex talks about how he wholesales deals with equity. I talk about how I wholesale deals without equity. So go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get that. Cool? All right. So Tim and Mike, how are you guys?
1: Doing well, Joe.
0: Good. And, and Tim, your last name is Macy. Mike, I don't know your last name. I, I should. I'm sorry. I don't.
1: That's all right. Powell.
0: Powell. Okay. Cool. Um, Mike... Uh, and Mitch are in the same mastermind as I am. Uh, We've talked about it before. We've we've talked about Collective Genius. And a lot of you might know Mitch, Mike's business partner, um, who's written some books on real estate, does webinars, and does some really cool things. And a lot of you guys have not heard of Tim Macy, but some of you might have heard of the company that he works with. It's called EXP Realty. Um, so Mike, let me, let me start with you and, and Tim, of course, chime in, but I, Mike, I'd like to talk about you and your seller financing business a little bit. You, you and Mitch, uh, do a lot of deals together, don't you?
1: We do. We do. We're very fortunate.
0: Talk a little bit about your business right now. What does it look like?
1: Also, well, we, uh, we do a couple things, but we mostly owner finance in San Antonio. So we buy a house, carry the, you know, sell it with, with owner financing and carry the note and. We used to sell a lot of notes, but we don't do that as much anymore. We keep most of our notes just because it can be so hard these days to find a deal that we we like to keep the notes.
0: Uh huh. Now, talk a little bit about why you keep them, though. I mean, is it just you you want the cash flow, or you? you,
1: That's uh, really the main reason is is the cash flow. Um, We you can sell them, and it's and you know you can get connections that it's easy to sell them, but. Um the cash flow is is what's really nice to have uh-huh. Talk a little bit about how you find these deals. mostly we find them like uh like any wholesaler would we buy some from wholesalers, but most of ours is mailings and acquisitions. We buy a little bit off m l s not a lot um about ninety five percent of it's off market so anything from mailings and um, a lot of realtor connections, a lot of attorney connections, things like that. Okay.
2: You know, uh, uh, Joe, it's funny you ask that because every time I get a, a a deal, everybody always asks me, you know, how'd you find this deal? And right now, I think uh, all out hustle and door knocking and talking to neighbors is probably the most underrated resource uh, to use in this market today.
0: Yeah, uh, don't you think too, Tim, that maybe the MLS is an underused resource a little bit sometimes?
2: You know, I listened to one of your podcasts a while back where you had the MLS expert on there and I just grabbed some uh, golden nuggets from him and put them to use. And we've been able to execute a couple deals. We just actually uh, did one this week and we've done a couple this year just by, you know, submit a ton of offers, um, find the soft spot in, yeah. in some property. You submit 20 offers, you're going to find a soft spot in three of them and one mm-hmm. of them you're going to be able to make a deal on. So they're there. You just have to play the volume game. Uh, submit feedback was the golden nugget that we took. Every house that I schedule a showing for, it pops back and says, "Leave some feedback." And I always put, uh, "I have an investor buyer who's interested, just can't make it work at the price point." And then sometimes mm. you'll get back, you'll get back uh, a message that says, "Hey, just submit an offer." You know, <laughs> like you'll get wow. some desperation from the other side, and you say, "Okay, this guy's ready to play ball." And, and that's how you find deals on MLS. Yeah, it's there aren't any deals at the list price on MLS. You have to be able to play the game.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> we just, we had a student uh, who bought our MLS Hacks course. It's a little ninety-seven dollar course that we have. And there was a house that was listed for one hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollars, and it needed a lot of work. And so he offered sixty-one. <laughs> and guess what? Yeah. He got it. He got it accepted. Can you believe that?
1: Hey. Wow, I thought we did it this week. The one we did this week, Joe, it was uh was it one sixty, Tim?
2: Yeah, but they started at two hundred.
1: And we, we uh put in an offer at ninety and they didn't even balk at it, they took it.
2: Yeah. Wow.
0: So, you just never know. You just you never, never know. know. Wow. That's amazing. You gotta ask. <laughs> so so Mike, on your seller financing deals, um and by the way, Tim and Mike, you guys do work together. Um, but do you do you still do deals on your own or separately or how does, how do you guys operate together?
1: So I, I do the owner financing as Mitch and I, and then we were finding so many deals that didn't fit the owner finance model, but we didn't want to let the deals go. So we started doing some wholesaling and some flipping. And so Tim came in and started doing the wholesaling side and flipping side with us.
0: Okay, nice.
1: Um, We we didn't want to let all those leads fall through the crack just because they didn't fit our, our exact model sure
0: well i have some more questions about seller financing because this is something i've been personally interested in a lot lately um are you buying any of these deals with owner financing or are you just paying cash and and getting them
1: oh sure if we do we do pay a lot of cash because most of the good deals are people who are are desperate to to get it moving you know so most of them are cash, but I we always ask and we always offer terms with oh, if they'll finance us. Um, that can be hard to do because um, I would say at least half of what we buy is in estate situations, and okay. so all the siblings want to be paid out. You know, they don't all want to get their their little piece of the pie every month. Yeah. But if you can find somebody where they don't have an estate situation, it, it does get easier because we do ask we do ask everybody we come across if they'll finances
2: and wanna, I, I know in, in a lot of those situations it's like you know i, I have a bit i like to think i have a big heart right and i really want to take care of the seller and sometimes i know their situation um a lump sum of cash really isn't the best thing for that seller and their family a lot of times yeah uh getting them to finance us the house is actually in their best interest because a couple hundred bucks a month to them would be better than a couple thousand right now
0: hmm so the uh, you want to hear something crazy? Um, it's something I've been testing the last couple weeks, and we went and bought a list of high equity, free and clear properties, and these are in neighborhoods in St. Louis that are uh, between a fifty to one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. So they're they're blue collar working class, not the cheapest areas, but kind of median price and below a little bit, right? And We just sent blind offers. We bought a list of about 4,000. We split it up four ways. And uh, we just sent out blind offers to people with letters saying, hey, we want to buy your house. I know this is completely out of the blue, um, but we'd like to buy your house and we'll pay you full Zillow value for it. We'll pay you (laughs) Zillow value for it if you would agree to owner financing. All right? And so what we did is we had these 4,000 names, and we just went and we um, we got a VA, or it's not even a VA. It's this guy who has his software, and I don't even know who it is, my assistant founder. And they just went into each property and pulled the Zillow value and the rent value from Zillow and put it in the spreadsheet. And so what we offered, on, and this is, of course, contingent on an inspection. This is this is assuming that the house doesn't need any work. Um, so we, we're making these offers at Zillow value and then what we did is we took the rent amount from Zillow and divided it in half and that was the payment amount that we offered. And so we offered let's say it rents for eight hundred, we offered four hundred a month until paid. Um and then, <laughs> so you you just work out the uh
2: interest um, rate and all that stuff.
0: No, zero interest. There's no okay. interest. Yeah, zero
1: interest. Yeah. It's we'll give you I've, full I've done price. That before as well. And it's amazing if, if you offer them a payment amount that they're happy with, a lot of times they won't care about interest rate. I've gotten quite a few 0% loans or, or 1% or 2% loans. They're just ecstatic to not take the tax hit and stuff like that.
0: Well, here's the cool thing. <laughs> you won't believe this. Um, we just The letters just started hitting late last week, so just like three or four days ago. And uh, I've already got about <clears throat> 10 calls, um, and I've only called about two or three of them back. Um, so I'm going to, I can't, I'm so busy right now. I can't handle the calls, but, um, I'm going to have my assistant start taking the calls, but we have already had, uh, of the three or f- about the, th- I called, I talked to four people so far of the 10 and, uh, three of them were open to the idea. They w- were open to the idea of seller financing. And, um, one of them uh, that I've not even talked to yet, she- cause she didn't even give me her phone number. We, we forgot to like... <laughs> So we send a contract. It's just a one page, like a letter of intent, and uh, it says the price and it gives the terms. It says principal only payments of four hundred dollars for uh, fourteen years or whatever until it's paid. One lady actually signed it and sent it back to us, and I have no.
2: Wow.
0: I have no idea. I can't. I don't have her phone number, so we forgot <laughs> to put like we forgot to put a field in the contract for her to put her phone number. So we're, uh. we're 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 sending her a letter back, and we're trying to skip trace and find her phone number. But um, our first batch, now we'll see if it's a deal or not. I, I had one or two people getting really upset with me um, that I of sent course. them an offer. Yeah. But it's a, you know what's funny though is when you talk to these people, I've talked to a couple of them, and they were saying you know we well we just talked to these investors and they were giving us offers in the low thirties, and it was really I was really upsetting to see their offers. But then I got your letter, and you were offering me seventy, um, for my property, and with owner financing, they were really attracted to that. So, the, the I'm am still like scratching my head, thinking, okay, now what am I gonna do with these things? Like, let's say I I get one of these deals. Obviously, I'll go get it inspected, figure out the, what repairs its needs, and then you know try to negotiate that into the price. But with owner financing, principal only payments. You know, what if you do maybe a substitution of collateral where if, if you put a, if you sell that, if you wrap it with owner financing to another buyer and they cash you out, you can substitute that collateral with the investor or something like that, right? Or, or maybe uh, in a few years, call the seller and try to discount the note. Um,
1: I've what? also done that and it, it really works well, Joe. I've, I've called people up and offered them, you know, 60% of, of the note that they're carrying on me and... I've had good success doing that because for some reason something's changed in their life, or or they just want to lump some money. And I've gotten done really well on getting out of some with a huge discount. One
0: one friend told me you need to put in there in your contract that you get the right of first refusal. If they want to sell their note to somebody else, you get the right of first refusal. That, have you ever done that?
1: No, I haven't. But that's pretty smart.
0: Yeah, it definitely protects yourself on that end. Because what if somebody offers to buy their note at fifty cents on the dollar, right? Well, maybe you could buy it for fifty-one.
2: Not only that, if they sell it to somebody, that person is maybe less likely to let you sell it at a discount.
1: Hmm. Well, most fortunately, most of those would, would never get sold because they're a zero percent interest. Um, and if it did get sold, you would be it would be at a huge discount because that's where people are going to make their money. Yeah. So, you so uh, that's that's a great idea, Joe. You definitely want to do that.
0: So am I? Am I crazy offering, sending blind offers, offering full Zillow value, with principal only payments?
1: Not at all. That's that's great. I, I mean, <laughs> I wish I had thought of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I we, I, we, another, we may be
2: we may be doing go, that next week. Know. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Another good route to go, Joe, might be um, if or in Texas we have forceful evictions if somebody doesn't get out they do writ of possession and and they you know the sheriff comes and puts people out and a lot of those are landlords that are just fed up with being a landlord but they don't want to lose their cash flow yeah so a lot of those people will also consider owner financing
0: yeah i talked to a lady like that too i mean she's retired all these people i did a, a search in list source for high equity free and clear properties and i did an age demographic of eight, uh, 55 years and older and um almost everybody I have talked to so far has been in their uh you know 60s and up. Um and they there, there could be rental properties, they could be properties they're living in, I don't know. But uh th- a couple of them were telling me that they they uh they want they like the cash flow, but they're just tired of the headaches, right? So they don't want to be the landlord anymore. And so when I told them, I said, well, would you rather be the bank or the landlord? And there was a pause, <laughs> and they said, well, I've never looked at it that way. That's really fascinating. One thing I've noticed, though, with these sellers, um, because they're, they're, they tend to be elderly, and these are free and clear, uh, they don't have a ton of motivation. And so it's really important that you have somebody on your team that can go build a trust and relationship with them. Um, and, and, and a few of these sellers I was talking to, i realized, you know, this, I'm probably not going to get a deal right away. I'm probably not going to get a contract with these folks right away. But if I nurture that relationship and stay in touch with them, I eventually will. Have you found that to be true as well with your seller financing deals that you buy with seller financing?
1: Very much so. A lot of times, because most of mine are the same way. They've been people who are approaching retirement age or, or just a little bit burnt out and don't want to work that hard at being a landlord. So they are very more relaxed. They own it cash-free and clear. And they're also going to be real skeptical. So I've had to meet with people four and five times to, to get a deal wrapped up with them.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that.
1: <laughs> well, well, if you get it done, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing money saver as far as interest rate.
0: <laughs> so what do you do with that deal, though? Um, let's say I get one of these. Sell- it's a house that's worth seventy grand. I buy it for seventy grand, principal only payments of $400 a month, and a rent for $800 a month. Um, what do I do with that deal?
1: Well, if, if you're in my world, you own our finance because we own our finance almost everything.
2: <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what, it, it, it matters what the value is on it the back down
1: end. For you?
2: Say it
0: again,
1: Mike. Do we have time for me to break it down in some numbers for you?
0: Yeah, that would be good. I'd appreciate that. Okay. Because
1: so I'm looking, at this, so, thinking, over I'm over looking here, at this thinking. I'm looking at this
0: thinking. What did I get myself into?
1: <laughs> if we're over here, you say you're on a 30-year, $400 principal, correct?
0: Well, yeah. So it'd be 15 years. It's about works out to be you pay it off in about 15 years.
1: Okay. Well, we go sell it at seventy-five thousand. Okay. Uh huh. Um, with it, with an interest rate of 9.9 or 10.5, but we'll just do 9.9. And we put all of ours on a 30-year note because we keep the notes. So we want to get payments for as long as we can, you know. And so, the payment coming back to you would be six fifty-two a month. So you would clear $252 for the first 15 years, and you'd be at $650 after that.
0: So that doesn't you include no taxes and insurance, right? That that doesn't include taxes and Correct. insurance.
1: Right. And so if I,
0: the thing I love about owner financing is I don't have to pay, I don't have to set aside money for vacancies and maintenance repairs. Um,
1: exactly. Maybe you I, I no save some of the... To pick, no roofs to worry about, none of that.
0: And you get, uh, what 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 kind of down payment would you expect to get on that price of a home?
1: That price, well, any price that Mitch and I do is t- at least ten percent. We usually push for fifteen percent.
0: Okay, so I'd be getting fifteen. I mean, I'd, I'd be getting about seventy five hundred to um, ten thousand dollars down.
1: Yeah, put that in your pocket and and go on down the road.
2: The, wow. The other thing, the other thing you just did for your buyer that that's going to buy that house on finance from you is that. Um, his payment's going to be about what a rent payment would be, but now he owns the house. He's got home ownership, so it's yeah. a great thing for buyers as well.
0: Well, he gets the benefits of the, the tax deductions for interest. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: well, and a, a lot of these uh, will improve the home or take take some pride in ownership because a regular FHA, they put 3% down. Well, these people are putting 10 or 15% down. Right? and. On a on, on someone purchasing a seventy five thousand dollars home, for them to come up with, you know, seven to ten thousand dollars is a good chunk of change for most of these people. So they they really have some pride in ownership.
0: Now, uh, how much do you, how much of the house do you have to fix up? I mean, does it have to be rent ready? Well, does that
1: de- that depends um, on a few factors. On ours, we you know if it's if it's a lower priced home, then we don't usually fix them up as much. And then, you know, people just understand it. We tell them that, it, you know, it's a handyman special and we still get our 10% down. But if it's a, a more expensive home, you know, and a, and more expensive for us on our financing here would be 130 140 then we usually fix them up pretty nice because their payment is so high. There's not a lot of, you know, they don't want to be putting out another 1000 a month fixing it up with when they have a $1,500 a month payment.
0: Okay. And then what if they pay it off early? Do you have prepayment penalties? Are you even allowed to do that with Dodd-Frank?
1: You know, I don't think you're allowed to. You, you can't do a balloon. If you do enough of these, you cannot do a balloon with Dodd-Frank. Um, but prepayment penalties, I'd have to check. But we do not do prepayment penalties. And the reason is we want these people to be successful. And if that means they won the lottery and they're going to come pay the house off and or you know they got an inheritance from grandma and they want to pay it off, you know we want to do what's good for them and their family. So we don't want to hit them with a lot of prepayment penalties or an arm or anything like that. We want successful payers that don't have to panic over something like that.
0: Right. So, but in my situation, if I get this with a principal only payment loan,
1: I, I the longer they
0: they finance it from me, the better, right? Um, right. Otherwise, would it be would I would it be better for me just to rent it? Is a long-term rental. So they don't pay don't me rent- off
1: early. I don't think so. Cause well, I don't know what your rents are like over there, but you're, uh, you're going to have some, you know, some expenses and repairs and managing and all that kind of stuff. And we don't have a lot of loans get paid off. So I think if you did 10, you're not going to get two of them to pay off. So I would roll the dice and, and keep collecting my two fifty months month and, you know, think, okay, probably, they probably won't ever pay, you know, they'll keep paying me for the 30 years, they won't ever pay it off early. Okay. I, I, I would say less than 20% of our people make extra payments or pay off or have a plan to pay it off early. Everybody just makes their, their normal 30-year payment.
0: Do Would you recommend to somebody to use that extra money I'm making, that extra cash flow I'm making every month, and pay off the principal faster?
1: Absolutely not because it's free money. It's a 0% loan. <laughs> Okay.
0: Well, you know, as, long,
1: as, as long as you can get zero percent loans, go take that money and buy something else cash, and, and keep that zero percent loan going.
0: Have you ever done a substitution of collateral? Because if I have a fifteen-year note with the seller and the seller and the buyer does pay me off early, I'd like to use that money somewhere else, but still, you know, keep them protected with the same security mm-hmm. that they had before. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, so, and I know that that that's actually something. Mitch has done I personally haven't done one yet. But I know Mitch has done them before
0: okay yeah maybe I'll give Mitch a call because I don't know what that would look like or how that what kind of language you'd have to have in your contract for that Man. but um, I, I've heard some several people saying that you know just give it give that note about two three years and you can call the seller up and offer them to cash them out early at a discount. And a lot of sellers will say yes. They'd rather get that upfront money than than the four hundred dollars a month.
1: Well, me being, and being I've, have I've even had I've even had people who absolutely didn't want all the cash upfront change their mind after a couple of years just because something in their life changed. Their mother's sick, or or something like that. So I've I've absolutely had a lot of people take a
2: much less cash out offer.
0: Interesting. What were you going to
2: say, Tim? The, being that you uh, you love uh, systems and automation, um, you could figure out kind of what your number is, whether it's 60% or 55% whatever the note value is, and just send them out a, a yearly offer that says, hey, you know, things are going great. If you're interested in getting out, um, offer them 55, 60% of, of the face value and just do it every year and see what happens. But yeah. I wouldn't
1: do it the first couple of years. I really wouldn't do it the first couple of years. I'd give it I'd give it a couple.
0: Yeah. And then um to do that you have to either use your own money or get a private investor to put their money into that, right?
1: I would use private money for it.
0: Uh-huh. Now, if you sell the note, then you're you're completely you're completely out of the
1: deal then at that point, right? Correct. Okay. So I don't see well, really Well, there's two ways of selling it. You can sell part of the note which we've done quite a bit of that in the past because it it gives our note buyers more comfort when we still own part of the note because we have some interest tied up in the note. We're not going to let it fail. Or if you sell it to more of a big-time note buyer, you will be totally out of it. So there's two ways it could go. So
0: I would buy it from the seller at maybe 60% and sell it to my note buyer for 70% of the value. That's how I'd make my money out of getting out of it. Interesting,
1: or you could, or you could find your own note buyer and sell it to them for 90 to 100 percent of the note value and just own the last few years of it so that they feel comfortable. You're not going to let the deal die.
0: Interesting, yeah. I've the uh, I have done a couple owner financing deals in the past. Um, yeah. (laughs) I won't go into the details. I've talked about it before on another podcast, but I did it all wrong, and I got almost almost got into trouble. (laughs) I won't (laughs) talk about it, though. I almost got into real big trouble. I got out of it. I found another investor to help me bail me out, but, uh, man, it was scary for a couple of months.
1: Um, Well, if you do it it right, it can be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so
0: can I ask you some real quick questions about seller financing? Because everybody thinks... Um, they're too difficult to do because of Dodd Frank uh, or the Safe Act. Um, really, the only thing is you have to either go ahead and get your your um, mortgage originator's license, or just hire a mortgage broker to to service these or to uh, underwrite or whatever these mortgages for you, right?
1: Yes, and I, and I wouldn't recommend to people getting their own mortgagee's license because it's just a little bit too, in my opinion, this isn't fact or anything, but in my opinion, if you're under, you know, if you're doing the loan origination for all your own loans, I think it's just a little bit too close to home. So we prefer to outsource it. And you outsource it We weren't the one that approved them. We outsource it to a licensed RMLO here in, in San Antonio. And I know he does it for people all over the place, but he's $450 a deal. He does the he does the loan origination for us, and he he does the whole nine yards, and we don't have to worry about it. And it's out of our office, and not so close to home.
0: Nice. And so he he basically, you know, he has some criteria, and he, he these buyers, and they come in, they he doesn't take just anybody; he doesn't approve just anybody. They have to have some income, right? They have to meet some kind of debt to income requirements. Um, they have to have some; they have to be able to afford the house. Pretty much right and, exactly um, so other than that is there and, and then the requirements maybe there's restrictions on uh, you know charging too much interest uh, doing adjustable rate mortgages doing balloons um, but other than that it's you can do as many of these seller financing deals as you want right if you're using a licensed loan loan originator
1: exactly as long as you're staying compliant, you can do as many as you as you want a year.
0: Nice. Cool. Well, that's fascinating. I I I am uh I'm a student right now, of seller financing. I'm studying and I I bought a couple courses and some books. and I'm reading up on it and it's fascinating. It's because you know sometimes I when you when I'm doing marketing and we find a seller, a cash offer won't work for them. Uh, sometimes on the nicer homes, I'll offer a lease option and that won't work for them. Um, and I don't want to do lease options on cheaper homes. Um, but on a cheaper home, seller financing was a great alternative. And for years, we have never been offering... We haven't been offering sellers seller financing. It's either been cash or nothing. And we walk away from that. But it's it's a great alternative. Yeah, it is. All right, cool. So, Tim... Um, you, talk about how you got started in the business. How long have you been active in, in San Antonio?
2: I uh, got out of the military, got out of the Air Force down here in 2013, um, decided to stick around in San Antonio because of its booming economy. Um, also had a paradigm shift where I realized I never wanted someone else to be in control of my paycheck, right? I wanted to write my own check. And I found that real estate was probably the best avenue uh, to do that. So I've been doing it two, almost three years now. Um, love it. And I do, I manage some of the acquisition operation with Mike and Mitch. And then I also have uh, the Terrell Macy Group, which is my um, retail team that does a lot of uh, retail, list our flips. We list flips for investors. And then I have buyer's agents that that go and uh, take down buyer leads from the listings and so we kind of have a symbiotic relationship between the, the two different businesses.
0: Right on. Okay. Um, and you t- talk about why you got your real estate license and how do you feel like it's benefit to you to have your license?
2: Well, I, uh, when I would do the
0: investor side of things.
2: I, I would say hundred percent, yes. Um, we have Our team has uh, three or four acquisitions agents. And a couple of them are licensed. So when we're in Podio and, you know, we say, hey, this person, uh, their house is beautiful. It doesn't need a renovation. It's not we're not going to be able to get a deal on it. Um, Then I get to tag somebody else and say, hey, go get this listing. You know, and it just opens us up to monetize our leads much better than if we did you know, nobody was licensed. So we've been able to pull out a couple hundred bucks, a thousand bucks a couple hundred bucks a month, um, off of leads and deals because of the fact that we're licensed and have some licensed people on our team.
0: Nice. Okay. And, um, the, uh, now are you a broker yourself or do you have just your regular license?
2: So Mike and I both, um, I mean, when I started in real estate, that was the thing, right? You know, you, you become an agent, you do some stuff, you become a broker, you have a brokerage. Uh, But with the brokerage we're at now, which is EXP, you know, neither one of us really have the ambition to get our broker's license anymore because um, we get the revenue sharing off of the agents in our downline. We get to take advantage of a lot of the reasons that you would get a broker's license without the liability, um, without having to put in the time and work into building out these large systems that are going to take care of a large group of agents. The system's there. And we just can coach the agents in our downline and still um, see the benefit instead of having to go through the hoops of getting a broker's license.
0: Okay. And so who is your broker? Is it somebody in San Antonio or is it somebody outside of Texas? Does it have to be somebody local yeah. there?
2: It, it's a national company, but our state broker is in Austin, and then we have some compliance brokers around the state. So we, we, we have, you know, if if my agents or if I have questions and I need my broker's, uh, opinion on it or broker answer, they're, they're very accessible.
0: Nice. So talk about eXp Realty a little bit. What does eXp stand
2: for? It stands for a lot of things. It stands for uh, explosive growth, exponential uh, possibilities. It kind of is what you want it to be. But yeah. um, eXp Realty is a shift in the standard model of brokerage. I mean, you've been around for years. So, you know, there's the franchise model um, there's, there's the different uh, ownership models and, and fees associated. There's the little boutique brokerages. EXP pretty much said the future of brokerage is one that's in the cloud, and that's very agent-based instead of broker-based. So um, EXP is very focused on adding value to the agent and the team and uh, kind of changed the compensation structure. Which makes more sense. I mean, Joe, how many times have you invested yourself into somebody in, I mean, with your coaching programs and everything, and gone off and seen them become wildly successful? And you're not really collecting anything from that, are you? <laughs> no. In the long term, right now, no, I'm saying, yeah. not when you're coaching. Um. So what EXP says is, you know, if you can give people revenue share, which is not profit share because there's plenty of brokerages that offer profit share, but that's only if there's profit, right? Revenue share is I collect a percentage of the GCI, of the gross commission income. So as soon as one of my agents gets a commission, I get a percentage. I don't have to wait for the brick and mortar office and the lights and the assistant and everybody else to get paid before I can collect whatever my share is. I get paid on the commission. Um, And that incentivizes me to spend more time building my agents and building my you know, helping them build their teams and the structure just makes more sense than a single broker at the top and him collecting all the fees.
0: I'm looking at your website here. Um, exp and that is the right website, right?
2: <laughs> well, if, uh, for people, we're going to send people to your okay. which, uh, we'll send them over to my information website, but yeah, it's your But the, big thing is that's all like retail stuff. And you have investors that listen to your podcast and Mike and I are investors at heart where, you know, when we look at real estate, we look at the numbers, we look at the conversation that you just had about seller finance. We look at how much money can we make on a flip? And it's really on a deal per deal basis and a house per house basis. Um, but what happened was I had a flip and it was this big, Beautiful house. Um, we did pretty well on it. And I stuck a sign in the yard and I put somebody else's phone number on it because I don't want to deal with the buyers that call, right? We're focused on listings and investment properties. We're not focused on buyers. Okay. But, but what I found out was that the person whose phone number I put on there, um, I mean, they had three or four buyer leads on that and turned that into over fifteen, twenty thousand dollars 20000 in commission from my sign. Okay. so what we looked at is, you know, how can we monetize that? You know, I mean, we want the agent to be successful. I'm not going after uh, their commission on the same hand. um, There's there's more revenue. There's more money happening on these flip deals and on some of these houses than the investor is getting. The investor is buying at a certain price. They're renovating it. They're selling it and they're getting what's in between. What we found is if we can recruit agents we can, give them, uh, we can give them listings at a discount. We're not going to go pay full price for one of our listings when we can list it ourselves. But, for instance, Mike's selling a house right now. And we have one of our agents has her sign in the yard. Mike doesn't want to deal with getting phone calls for the listing, right? Mike doesn't want to deal with doing the listing. So he can spend more of his time, which is the highest value of his time, which is finding deals, buying houses, and doing his thing. Now, this girl that put her uh, sign in the yard is already getting phone calls for buyers, right? And she's going to hopefully sell the house. And then hopefully that sign turns into three or four buyer transactions for her. Uh, Mike and I are going to collect on those transactions. We're also going to get a couple hundred shares of stock. She's going to get a couple hundred shares of stock. So we've taken that listing and monetized it probably three or four more times as far as uh, that deal and that transaction goes.
0: All right, so you're talking about a house that you're selling if, if you're an investor. Um, mm-hmm. People ask me all the time, why should I get my license? Do I really need it? And I've always recommended, yeah, that you should. Um, so what, just so I can be clear, you're saying that if you have your license, um, you're going to find buyers and sellers that you can't help because you don't have a property for them or they maybe aren't motivated enough. But if you can give that lead to somebody in your brokerage, um, Who can help them find a house or sell a house th- on, on a retail basis? Um, you can get, you can make money from it, right? Yes. So, and it's more than just the sh- commission share. If you're, they're part of the EXP, there's also a revenue share or something like that, right?
2: Yeah. So, it, it, it works as when you bring agents on to EXP, right? So, Mike and I, as investors, um, you know, we're active in the community. We have a uh, influence, people trust us. And so they say, Hey, what are you guys doing? Um, and we get to tell them about our model and they want to work with us. And so we have them come on as agents at our brokerage. And so now they're in our downline. So whatever business they do, whatever business, uh, or team they build in the future, we have some percentage of interest on their commissions coming in. So if we bring somebody on in our downline, we want to see them grow and build their team so by giving them listings we can help them build out a team does that make sense so okay i i don't know if this really pertains to just somebody that wants to get their license um but that's why we're excited about the brokerage we're at is because we think that there's more opportunity um for people that want to get their license with exp to monetize their uh deals more
0: nice and um, talk about what are some other reasons why you think EXP is different? What do you uh, – well, there's a lot of brokerages out there.
2: So the reason that EXP can offer this revenue share, right? I mean, why – if if it's so simple, well, why wouldn't somebody else do it? Is by having a cloud-based system, they've lowered the overhead of brokerage by about 70%. So they they're not paying for brick and mortar. They're not paying for – to keep the lights on. They're not paying for a lot of things that brokerages pay for. So by doing that, they can just offer the best uh, CRMs and technology, revenue share and uh, stock options for their agents.
0: Okay. Nice. But talk about some of the details, the nitty-gritty. What's it what kind of support, what kind of stuff do you get in the back office when you What is what is having things on the cloud mean?
2: Well, we have about 30 hours of training a week, so I bring new agents on on a fairly regular basis, and I have about 30 hours of training a week. I can plug them right into all online. I mean, you do a lot of online training, so you know how effective that can be. Um, And then also, we have a a mentor program if you need a mentor, but the biggest thing is, I mean, a lot of brokerages, I think, try to provide a CRM or, or some sort of system to their agents where Exp's kind of looked at the the landscape and said, the best CRMs are about a thousand bucks a month. And they're not provided by the brokerages they are provided by third parties like boomtown commissions, Inc conversion and so on. Um, so they said, look, since all our agents are already in the cloud, let's just see if we can make some deals with these third parties and get all of our agents, these CRMs and lead generation, uh, material. So we have a deal with Commissions, Inc. and Conversion where our agents for their $50 a month agent membership fee get access to $1,000 a month CRMs and lead generation uh, tools.
0: I have um, – I've heard of Commissions, Inc. before, and um, so you're using their CRM and websites in the background?
2: So, yeah, all of our agents – get access to the commissions Inc. platform, which, you know, I mean, if you looked at it, it's one of the highly, most highly rated platforms to be on. Yeah, um, it's amazing. and I've seen it before. Yeah. And because of the structure, right. Because the fact that we're not paying for stuff that as an agent I didn't use, I mean, I didn't use the nice office we had in town. I would rather have commissions Inc. And so because we've cut out a bunch of the expenses, we can offer things like commissions Inc., to our agents to set up their website, set up their lead gen. I mean, we're doing Facebook squeeze pages and, and all this online uh, advertising. We're getting people on drip campaigns and everything else, and it's all automated for the agent where usually they would have to go pay a bunch of extra money to set that up on uh, by themselves. Okay.
0: Now, since it is in the cloud, you still have to have a brick-and-mortar office somewhere, right?
2: We have one in Austin, Um, And you can if you want to. I mean, the the splits are competitive, right? So there are a lot of teams that are established that have moved over from other brokerages and still afford to keep their own office set up because they're making more on the splits and everything than they were on the the previous brokerage. So you can have a brick-and-mortar office, but Mike and I don't really use one, don't need one. We do our conference calls in our home office. We do our screen shares and everything else where... It's just an expense that we don't really need to take on. I think there's some value in it, but I don't think every agent needs it. So I don't think every agent should be paying for it.
0: Okay. Cool.
2: Um,
1: On my side of things, being an investor and having the license, I I didn't like brokers constantly wanting me. And I had been at a number of places in the last 10 years. And everybody wants so much of your time, you know, these brokers don't make money unless you're constantly doing stuff. And so a lot of them would have me to come to meetings or, or have more listings or work with buyers. And I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to invest. And what's nice with DXP is they don't bother me with all that stuff. You know, as, as long as they get their monthly fee from me, they they leave me alone. They never want me to push me to do more business or anything like that.
0: Yeah. But you still bring them a lot of business from your deals.
1: Right. We bring them a lot of business from our deals. And what's nice is also being an investor, I deal with a realtor or many realtors on a daily basis. So I can talk to them about EXP and grow grow Tim and I's legs on the EXP by just dealing with the realtors we buy
2: our deals from. Okay. You'd be amazed how many realtors... When I ask them uh, what their brokerage does for lead generation and they look at me like I'm crazy, like the the broker doesn't really do much lead generation. Um, And that's true. So lead generation is always on the uh, shoulder of the agent, right? That's part of the agent's job is to lead generate. And so to have a broker give you these systems to lead generate, it just doesn't make any sense to be anywhere else. Well be more agents. specific
0: on be more specific on what kind of lead generation does EXP Realty do for their agents.
2: Well EXP Realty doesn't do any lead generation for their agents. I mean you can buy leads and there's some different things, but overall the model is you know, brokerages are never really a lead generator. You know, the agents are the lead generator. So what okay. EXP does is give you commissions inc to go lead generate. They give you conversion to go lead generate. So if you're interested in what EXP does to lead ge- to generate leads, just go take a tour of commission zinc or take a tour of conversion and you'll see, I mean, it's very robust platforms that you can lead generate on. But still, I
0: mean, you can have commission Inc. and if you're, um, um, if you don't, if you aren't doing your own marketing, you're not going to get any leads into Commissions Inc, right?
2: Yeah. So we do Facebook squeeze pages. Um, and we do, you know, maybe we'll do some postcards. But the, the idea is that um, everyone's going to have to do their own lead generation. So we believe the job of the broker is to give the agents the best possible tools to do that lead generation. Does that make sense?
0: Right. But I just want to – because at first <laughs> I, I was getting all excited because I thought you said EXP actually gives me leads. But um, you're saying with Commissions, Inc., the back office software – uh, CRM that that runs, you can run your Facebook ads and all that stuff to get leads into commissioning. But you have to, the agent still has to do their own marketing for 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 leads, right? I mean, your brokerage yeah, is not going to give them
2: leads. No, but I firmly believe, and you can tell me if I'm if I'm wrong. I firmly believe that's the case, no matter what brokerage you're at. It's always sure. the agent that has to produce the leads. So instead of Giving the agents a great brand, which, I mean, every, every poll out there shows that brand doesn't really matter. It's the agent that matters. Instead of giving the agents a great brand, give them the best possible tools to go out and generate the leads they have to generate.
0: Okay, cool. All right, so uh, where can people go to get more information, Mike and Tim, about um, you guys and, and what you're doing with eXp Realty?
2: Well, if you're interested in owner finance stuff, definitely check out uh, Mitch, and he has his podcast, which is the Real Estate Investing. what is it the Real Estate Investor Summit? Um, yeah, and he's got a great uh, podcast with some good uh, seller finance uh, material on there. And then, if you want to hear more about EXP, just go to yourbrokeryourbrand.com, dot com, and my phone number is on there, so you can give me a call. Um, and that's probably the best way to find us, Mike. You got you got another way to find you? I know you're a pretty tough-to-find guy.
1: <laughs> no, if anybody wants to call me, I'd be happy to, to you know, give me a call at 210-556-4144, and we'd love to walk them through it and explain what eXp has to offer.
2: I just think it's a, a huge opportunity for yeah. licensed investors.
0: Nice. Nice. So. Well, cool. Thank you, Mike and Tim.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking Joe.
0: the time and uh, want to wish you guys the best of success. Thank you, Joe. All right. Take care, guys.